Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Welcome you again. We're so excited. Uh, Live it. We talk about live it. That's a phrase that we have coined and actually trademarked. And live it means to live out what we say we believe. People want to see us demonstrate what we say we believe, not just talk about it. And so you hear us say, we talk about live it all the time. That's what that really means, in case you don't know or you've forgotten. I want to go back and touch on a couple of things from last week. We talked about faith, and we compared some of the things that James said and some of the things that Paul said, and I know that there have been people that have said, well, are they in conflict? And, and no, they're not. But I just want to reiterate this again in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where Paul is writing to the early church, and he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And then he says in verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So it's because of this relationship and because of the transformation of God working in our hearts and lives that we do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Faith in God leads us into a relationship with Him. This authentic relationship transforms our life as we yield to Him. And then a transformed life through Christ is demonstrated by our good works. So let me be very clear. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved by faith. But as a result of our faith, there should be good works. James 2.26 says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Amen? So I think that uh, this series, Live It, is really about us becoming more mature believers, spiritually mature. Being spiritually equipped um, is an important part of our spiritual growth individually. Growth is a family that impacts our community that impacts the world. It's a small church. We are impacting nations by supporting the work of the ministry that's going on, bringing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to people in different areas of the world where the Lord has opened up doors for us. And I see that he's opening up more doors for us. But I, I want to thank you for your faithfulness and know that we are not just being impacted in this room or those watching online, but we're, our families are being impacted. Our community is being impacted. And different sections of the world are being impacted directly because of your faithfulness and giving that we are able to support ministries. And so as we work together as the body of Christ, Life Fellowship, and all the other churches, we are making a huge difference. We are a light to the world. And uh, another important part of our spiritual growth involves not only our relationship with God first, but our relationships with one another. And uh, one of the ways that we do that is through serving. And I know many of you are serving in different areas, uh, ministry areas. And, you know, I'm, you may think, well, I'm just on the camera or I'm just greeting people or, or I'm just helping pack up all the equipment and, and load it up to, to take back to storage or, or pick it up and bring it over. But all of those things matter. 
because through the live stream, we're reaching thousands of people. And, and so every aspect of what we do in serving is important. And so never minimize your service and think, well, you know, I'm only doing this. Well, you know, if, if the camera shuts off like it did a while ago because we didn't have any electricity, it has an impact. There are people that are going back and archiving the videos and the podcasts. So every aspect of serving is important. And I, it's wonderful to see everybody working together. Those of you that are serving and contributing and working together in one accord. And so that's part of the spiritual growth and maturity that I see that happens in believers when people are serving and they're giving of their time, their talents, and their treasure. That's a, that's a mark of maturity. So this morning, I, I want to shift gears now. I want to talk about control your tongue. And back in June, July, and half of August, we did a series uh, called Say What? Say What? And uh, we talked about the words that we say and how there's power uh, in our tongue. The, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And so uh, today I want to be talking a little bit more about that. That's what James is talking about here in chapter 3. Our words are so important. Uh, so we'll be looking at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and Proverbs 18, 21, and maybe a couple other scriptures. But uh, today's message is control your tongue. James 1.22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. And that's the core scripture for this series um, that we're going through. Spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. Those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a number of years, you know that God is continually working in our hearts and lives, transforming us as we yield to Him. Because we all have those pockets in our lives where we're like, I don't know if I want to let go of this. I don't know if I want to yield to the Lord in this, but God is wanting to, to take, take our lives and transform our entire being. And there are some of us here that have struggled with different uh, behaviors, uh, lifestyle and, and addictions and things like that. And God is wanting to remove those things from our lives. If you're still struggling, listen, if you're still struggling with something for 10 years, that's, that's not just a sin, that's a bondage that you need to get free from. And you know that the flesh, we've been talking a little bit about the power of the flesh, is very, uh, very strong contender. How many times has your flesh said, well, just one more time? And you look back and it's been like a hundred more times. You can never satisfy your flesh. And that's why we need God to transform our hearts and lives. But He is for us. He's there to help us navigate through the challenges of life. And our challenges are through uh, our, our struggles and so uh, spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. We're continuing in James. Let's look at James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. And this Greek word for teacher is didaskalos. And it, it can mean an instructor. It can mean a master teacher. It can, it can be equivalent to a rabbi. A person acknowledged in mastery of the Scripture, um, teaching the Scripture, someone who's competent in theology, a Bible teacher. And so James is saying not many of you should become teachers that are uh, teaching the body of Christ. Let's read on. Uh, where am I at here? Okay. 
Well, let me, let me uh, shift gears here and go to Romans 2, uh, 21 through 23. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? And so Paul is talking to believers as well, and he's saying, are you living this thing out? And as a teacher of the gospel, we should be teaching the Word of God in pureness and, and authenticity, and we should be living lives that demonstrate that we live it out. And so Paul is saying, well, then if you teach others, why don't you teach yourselves? Why don't you live this thing out? Are you, are you stealing? When you teach others not to steal, he says in verse 22, you say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items from pagan temples? And what are they doing in the pagan temples anyway? And so, you know, what we see is that God is not wanting to beat us up, but God is wanting to help us. He's wanting us to grow and mature and become solid in our faith. Romans 2.23, you are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. And so we see throughout the New Testament with, with Paul and some of the other apostles that they were hammering on the religious leaders because they had the law, they knew the law, but they broke the law. Think about when Jesus healed the, the man on the Sabbath, and they wanted to kill him because he was healing someone on the Sabbath. They had totally missed the heart of God and missed the intent of the law, that it's to help people, not to hurt people, not to hinder people. And I know you know the answer to this, but what are the best three ways to teach? Example, example, and example. You guys got it. Let's go back to James 3, chapter uh, 3 verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so James and Paul and, and the writers of the New Testament are not trying to tell pe trying to discourage people from teaching. They're just wanting us to realize the responsibility. One, it's a great privilege to get to teach. It is a privilege and honor. And secondly, it's a great responsibility to, to share the word and train up and equip other people. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you and know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. So Jesus wants us to grow and mature and be able to teach the Word. And you may say, well, I don't have a lot of Scripture memorized. Well, one of the things that you can do in teaching is share your testimony with people. Share what God has done in your heart and in your life. If you're talking to non-Christians or non-believers, you can quote Scripture all day long, and they'll say, well, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't know what that Scripture means. But they can't. Uh, blow you off when you're, you're telling them about your life. Well, I guess they can blow you off, but you can share your story and you can say, look, this is what God has done and is doing in my life. And I see the struggles that you're facing. I once had those same struggles. And, th and they may still be a challenge for you, but you have victory in areas of your life that you didn't have victory in before. James 3.2, indeed, we, will make, we all make many mistakes. Teachers are not perfect. We all make mistakes. But we are growing and maturing. If you, if you have the gift of teaching, if you have the desire to teach, if you want to develop your gifting, whether that's in teaching or stewardship or 
hospitality or whatever it may be. We want to help you develop in your giftings so that you can operate in your giftings. Because when we're moving in our giftings, we're, uh, uh, we, we have initiative, we have passion, we have desire. There's, there's, it's wonderful to be able to operate in our giftings. And so there's plenty of opportunity for, for all of us to operate within our giftings. But we want to make sure you're trained up, equipped, released, empowered. And we want to set you up for success. We want to help train and equip you. Remember uh, our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It says, and these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. For what? For equipping the saints so that we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. So that we have a strong relationship with Him, but also so God is working through our lives to impact the world around us. So if you have the gift of teaching, don't be fearful, but just realize that God has places of responsibility on those that are teaching the Word of God. And again, our core scripture is don't just listen to God's Word, but you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. So the core scripture for this series is let's be doers of the Word. Let's not just listen to it only and then walk out but let's let the, the Word of God transform our lives. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5-10. through 10. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. Verse 6. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So... I want you to, to consider a couple of things. I don't want you to answer out loud, but just consider this. Are you practicing living the truth? God's Word is challenging all of us. I know it is. I know it is. But whenever I go before the Lord, many times He's challenging me. Not to condemn me, but to help me grow. There are times when I'll say something and, and that maybe I would have said 10 years ago and wouldn't have had a second thought about it. And now the Holy Spirit is like, you know, that wasn't really very kind what you said. <laughs> and my wife will remind me too sometimes. <laughs> but we're all a work in progress. But God is wanting us to grow. He's, he's challenging all of us that we not just talk about it, but we go out and live it. Amen. These letters are written to Christians. They're not written to unbelievers. So are you convicted by the Holy Spirit sometimes? Yield. You're in good company because all of us are. Think about even the disciples who walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They had challenges. They misunderstood things. Jesus would tell them things and they'd be like, well, well just tell us you know, this. And, and Jesus would say, I just told you. And so we're just all like that. But God is wanting to do some, some things in our hearts and lives. These letters, these scriptures are to help us all in our daily walk. 1 John 1, 6. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Verse 7. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we will have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
So it goes back to this relationship with Christ, but it also goes back to us making the decision, the decision that we want to yield to him. God's love and acceptance is, is so grace-based. It is so not performance-based. I'm so thankful for that, that it's about his grace toward us, because we all need grace. And as the word says, we have all sinned, and we all have challenges. And, and I'm not proposing that we live in, those, in, in sin or, or, or never become victorious, but we need Jesus to help us because he wants us to, to live the abundant life that he came to give. 1 John 1.8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So do Christians sin? Yeah, they sin. Have you ever yelled at somebody? Have you ever given somebody a hand signal when they cut you off in front of you? I mean, those are the kinds of things that God is wanting to work out of our lives. I remember the other day, I was in a turning lane, and I turned, and this guy behind me, I don't know what his problem was, but he, was, he pulled up beside, or past me and was flipping me off and honking at me, and I'm like, what? I mean, it was a turning lane. I, I, I don't know. He was behind me. And, and so... I said some things I shouldn't have said. <laughs> I didn't flip him off. I, not, you know, I thought about it, but I thought he may come to our church sometime, and, and that probably wouldn't be a good thing. <laughs> so, but those are the kinds of things that God is working out of our hearts and lives. My wife was like, why are you getting so emotional about this? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, because I'm a man. I don't know. Uh, but, but, but James is writing to, to Christians, and and if you think you have no sin in your life, ask God to show you. He may begin with showing that your sin is pride. <laughs> oh, I don't have any sin in my life. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but God, the, the thing is, God wants to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives. And some of us are dealing with wounds from maybe decades ago, from years ago. And, and so God is wanting to, to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives. We should not live a lifestyle of sin, but Christians can be in bondage. I've seen it. I know people that say they're Christian, but yet they live in bondage. And the sad thing is when you want to try to help someone, and God is shining a light in their heart, a dark area of their heart, and you're, and you're like, hey, look, you know, God has a better plan for you than this, and they turn and walk away. They turn and walk away, or they say, no, I've got this, I'm good. And it impacts their life. It impacts their marriage. It impacts their children, their grandchildren. John 10.10, 10, the thief is what? Come to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. So I'm so glad that I don't have to live a perfect life because I fail every day. But I'm thankful for God's grace and mercy. And I'm thankful for the conviction, not the condemnation, okay, not the condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, Mark, you need to do better. You need to be kinder. You shouldn't have said that. You need to stop and help that person, whatever that looks like, because it can change people's lives. Let me say it another way. It can change our life. John 1, 8. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9, but it, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
So we all need to repent. We all need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I ask your forgiveness for whatever this is, and then just receive his forgiveness and go on. We may even need to go ask somebody else for forgiveness. Or we, na- we may need to extend forgiveness. Hey, you know, you said this to me the other day, and that was inappropriate. I want you to know I forgive you, but you don't have permission to talk to me like that anymore. But I want you to know that I forgive you. And if I've done something to offend you, then please forgive me. See, if we would just come together, if we would be humble, and if we would extend forgiveness like we want to receive forgiveness, maybe our relationships would be a lot different than what they are. So we are to confess our sins to him. It's also good to have brothers and sisters that we trust that we have relationships with that we can go to and say, hey, man, I'm, I really blew it. Will you pray with me? Will you stand with me? I have people in my life that I can go to and I can say, hey, man, I'm, I'm really struggling. Will you pray for me? Will you help me? Will you give me some counsel on how I can navigate this challenge? What have you done? What have you seen? Give me a word. So we all need those relationships. But it, it comes from having a trust with one another. And mainly it comes from having this relationship with the Lord that uh, is transforming our life. First John 1.10, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Let's look at it, in, at it in the New American Standard Bible. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So let's just be real. Let's just be authentic with the Lord when we blow it. Let's be real and authentic with one another and not be too prideful to say, hey, look, I'm sorry. I apologize. (laughs) I say that a lot. (laughs) I make mistakes every day, but God is transforming my life. God is transforming your life if we allow him. Sometimes I I realize that that I'm not being very Christ-like. And again, sometimes... The conviction is, is something that I would not have been convicted about 10 years ago. And what I see, I see that as a sensitivity to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit, but also growth in my own life. Allow scriptures to illuminate areas in your life where he wants to bring healing from wounds and restore brokenness. Being human does not disqualify us from being teachers of the Bible. But God is working in all of our lives to bring some things to the surface. And he, he has chosen some unlikely people to anoint and teach the Word of God. Think about the disciples. They're probably not what, what we would have picked. We would have looked for Bible scholars and people that knew the Word. And, and he had fishermen and... <laughs> Probably some rough guys. He had a a tax collector, you know, of all people. And so God is not looking at necessarily our skill sets, but he's looking at our heart. He's looking at our character. And I remember uh, Barb, uh, Barb Ockley. She, when when we first started, we needed some teachers in children's ministry. And she said, well, I don't really know the Bible that well, but you have a need for for teachers in children's ministry. I'm willing to teach. 
And what happened was as she began to teach in children's ministry using a children's Bible, she began to grow in the Word. Listen, if you don't know a lot about the Bible, get a children's Bible and read through that. Look at the pictures. Read the, read the Bible. It will help you grow. And so as she was teaching the children, she was learning. And the benefit was the children were learning and growing. And so it was a benefit for all. Listen, the teacher always learns more than the students. And so as we prepare, we're learning. And God is bringing in, uh, understanding and revelation to us as we teach. And so we grow. And then we're investing in those lives of others around us. So it's, it's a, as Sherrod would say, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so teaching the Word is a great way to learn and digest God's Word as we prepare and teach. Uh, you know, I, I look at uh, somebody like Pastor Christine. She is very gifted in, in teaching, in Bible teaching. But she has a passion for it. She loves it. I've talked to her about taking some things off of her platter. There were times when I thought she was teaching too many classes, and I said, I think you need to cut back on the classes you teach. And she said, no, please, take away everything else, but don't take away the teaching. And so people that have this gift of teaching or preaching or whatever, it's going to be burning inside of you, and that's a good thing. But the Word says that we need to be prepared. We need to be uh, doers of the Word, not hearers only. And it says that we need to be able to rightly divide the word of truth because there's all kinds of preaching going on out there that are not the truth. So we need to know the word. So that's why when you come on Sunday mornings, you're going to get the word every time. And when you go to your life group, you're going to be getting the word every time. And I'm hoping that you will be challenged to go out and live it and allow God this transformation in your hearts and lives. Back to James chapter 3. Let's go back to verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders, for they look out for your soul. They will be accountable to God. And so this role that I'm in, I take it very seriously. And I pray, and I ask the Lord to guide me and lead me, and I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that does but it's a serious responsibility, not something that we should shy away from if God has called us to this, but it's something that we need to take very seriously. Verse 2, indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, okay, now we're getting into the heart of the message here, all right? We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And this Greek word for perfect is teleos. We've talked about it before. It means to be mature, to be fully grown. Uh, fully developed, operating as designed. So, indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect, we would be mature, we would be fully grown, we would be fully developed, we would be operating as designed. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. What is, what is the fruit of the Spirit? you remember? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so that's the fruit of the Spirit that should be coming from our lives. Uh, James 3.3, 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Have you ever ridden a horse? Yeah, and you just, you know, a well-trained horse, you, you can just pull on the rein a little bit. 
Because they don't want you pulling back on that thing. They know what that's like. But you just have to pull on it a little bit. And you can make that horse go wherever you want. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And again, if you've ever had a boat, you, that rudder, you can change direction even though the wind is blowing, even though the waves are coming. That rudder directs the direction of the ship. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest fire, a great forest on fire, right? So it's the tongue that, that creates so many problems. It's the tongue that can bring so many blessings. Do we understand the power of what we say? In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders for saying his power is from Satan. And he addresses the hardness of their hearts. In Matthew 12, 34, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He's saying, there's evil in your hearts. How are you speaking forth good things? Because you're evil. They did not have the heart of God. Therefore, their speech revealed their true heart and intentions. You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Let's look at this same scripture, Matthew 12, 34, in the New American Standard Bible. You brood of vipers, again, this is Jesus. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So when you say something, and you're going, oops, where did that come from? And when we were going through this series, Say What, we talked about, I talked a little bit about why do we damn people? Why do we damn our boss? Why do we damn our job? Why do we damn one another? Why do we damn anything? But out of our mouth comes blessings and curses. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In the New American Center Bible, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So when we were going through this series a few weeks ago, we talked about some of these things, about how even we can be joking and be sarcastic and hurt people's feelings. So if we can be sarcastic, we can just as easily be kind and gracious and say something nice, say something that's edifying and builds one another up just as easily as we can say something sarcastic. And, and so we, we had a phrase that we were using during that time, and if, somebody, if you hear somebody saying something rude or inappropriate and you're walking by, you just say, busted. Somebody's talking to you inappropriate, say, busted. If you're telling something to somebody that could be said nicer and kinder, they can say, busted. What if we just talk to one another like that? And I know that there are some of us that, that like to have fun, and we kind of pick at one another. But we can also build one another up. We can encourage one another. We can strengthen one another. We should be speaking life, not death. We should be speaking blessings, not curses. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to envision maybe a conversation you had one time where someone was giving you a negative report or someone was putting you down and, and someone really hurt your feelings. I want you to think about that for, for a moment. 
Now, I want you to shift gears, and I want you to think about a person that, that gave you a positive report or, or built you up or encouraged you or strengthened you. Maybe it could have been a high school coach or teacher. And how did that make you feel? Okay, you can open your eyes now. A kind word can bring a smile to an unhappy face. A destructing, destroying word can impact someone for decades, for all of their life. It can shape who they are because they've, they've been so rejected or they were so rejected or something like that. On the other hand, maybe someone has really encouraged you and said, you know what, you can do it. You may not have the skills that they have, but if you practice and if you, if you work hard at it, you can be at the same level that they are or whatever that may be. You can do it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So what if we had the mindset of saying, wait, you know what? I'm going to speak forth the things of God. The Word of God says that of all creation, I'm His masterpiece. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to speak that over my life. I'm going to speak that over people, other people's life. Because they may not even believe it. They may not believe that God loves them. But we know the truth is that God does love them. And if we could begin to speak forth the Word of God, there's power in the Word of God. God... God spoke things into existence. Let there be light. Before he created the sun and the moon and the stars, he said, let there be light. And so God spoke these things into existence. And if we would speak forth the word of God, it would change our lives. It would change the lives of others. And we're speaking the truth. Let's continue on here in, in James 3, 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9. Some, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. What are we saying about our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you know that they're made in the image of God? Do we realize that they are his prized possession just like we are? How are we treating one another in the body of Christ? We, we may have differences of, of opinion, but we, we shouldn't, you know, hate one another or get angry with one another necessarily because someone has a different opinion. Listen, I, I read scriptures, and I don't read a lot of commentaries because commentaries are what a man or a person thinks that the scripture is saying. And there are some good commentaries out there. But what I want is I want to know, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Help me to understand what the Word is. I don't really care what somebody else's understanding is. I don't even really care what my understanding is. If it's different from yours, I want to know the truth. And I want to know what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Bring revelation. Bring insight to me. But the Holy Spirit will bring us information or understanding of things that we don't understand. But I've found that the Holy Spirit is going to be investing and, and pouring into people that he can trust, that are open to receive all that he has for us. And, and there, there are people that are teaching all kinds of ungodly things in the church today. But we need to know 
the word of God. We need to rightly divide the word of truth so we know when someone's teaching something falsely, we're like, okay, no, I'm turning this off. This didn't line up with the word of God. But we have to know the word. James 3.10, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. In verse 11, does a spring of water bowl out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine grapevine, uh, produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. The words that you say, the things that you do in the workplace, have an impact in your witness to people. I've shared this story with you many times where I was working in... Valero in the lab and in a contract a guy came up and said Mark you say you're a Christian but the words that come out of your mouth don't reflect it bam that was a turning point in my life that was a turning point where I said wow his name was Mark too I said wow Mark that's all right it's not what I wanted to hear but it's what I needed to hear because I realized that my witness was really being blown by what I was saying and it was in conflict. I say that I'm a Christian, but yet these are the words that are coming out of my mouth? It doesn't line up. So God wants our life to line up with his word. And again, God is not looking for perfect people. The disciples weren't perfect. None of us are perfect. All of us sin. All of us stumble and fall. But listen, get up, man. Get back up. Repent. Say, God, forgive me. I ask your forgiveness, and I receive it, and I'm moving on. Paul says, forget the former things that are behind you. Forget all that stuff. You can't do anything about it. Maybe you can learn something from it, but forget all that and press on toward the mark or the goal or the prize. Come on. Some people get all hung up on what happened 20 years ago. Let it go. Forgive them. Forgive yourself. Move on. Because God has a greater purpose and plan for us than to be stuck back here 20 years ago. Come on. And he's wanting us to grow and mature. He's wanting us to yield to him so that he can fix our broken, messed up lives. And we can be a demonstration to those around us. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you today and and, uh, maybe... He's calling you back into a relationship with him, or maybe you've never had one, and today is your day. Would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anybody here that would like to come to the Lord? All right. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Maybe you want to rededicate your life today. Anybody here? All right. If you would just say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I receive your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness today. And I thank you that this is a new day. This is a fresh start. This is a new beginning. And I thank you that all that old stuff is washed away and it's gone. And I thank you for renewing me, refreshing me, restoring me, and healing me. In Jesus' name. 
I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord, I pray for those that prayed that prayer. I pray for the sensitivity of your Holy Spirit in their lives. I pray for the baptism, the fire of the Holy Spirit to wash over them, that they would have a fresh revelation and understanding of you and your great love, that you would pour out your love upon them, that they would be able to feel that tangible touch from you, the love of God washing over them, even right now, Lord God. And that as they read your word, as they read the Bible, it would come alive. And as they spend time in prayer, you would speak to their hearts, Lord God, and that their sensitivity to you would increase. And that they would choose to obey your word, your Holy Spirit. You have great plans for them. And let them not look back on the past or not, not say, well, you know, I'm too old or my life has passed me by. But let them press forward with excitement and anticipation of what you're going to do in the coming days. And Lord God, that we would all be encouraged in this and that we would all be in great anticipation of what you're doing in our hearts and lives and what you're going to do in our midst in the world around us. And we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. I want you to ask the Lord if there's something else that he wants to say to you this morning through this message. And then I want you to take a couple of minutes as Elizabeth leads us in in worship. And I want you just to get before the Lord and say, Lord, if there's something else, I want to hear from you right now. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.